0: This show is part of the Planetside Podcast Network. For more information, go to planetsidepodcasts.com. And thank you for listening. Welcome to I Shouldn't Have to Say This, where we discuss topics we believe deserve some critical and nuanced thinking. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email saythiscast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at saythiscast. Also visit SayThisCast.Pinecast.co for previous episodes.
1: So let's say you're an older sibling and you've been tasked with watching your younger brother for the weekend while your parents go out for a much needed vacation. They ask you to actually interact with your brother, so you're forced to play some games with him. You say that Goldfish might be a good thing to play. So you sit down with your brother and you start playing. Pretty soon you're decidedly in the lead. After all you chose Goldfish because you knew that you could run circles around him. You can tell that he's becoming frustrated but you insist on finishing the game because you're a little bit of a dick. And after a while it becomes clear that he's starting to lose it. He looks you in the eye and he says something to you. The F-slur. Now you come from a pretty progressive family. Nobody in your family uses slurs, and you're not quite sure where he would have heard this. He's pretty sheltered altogether. But nonetheless, from the way he said it, you're not even really sure that he really knew what it meant, but he just knew that it was an insult, and you're taken aback because you yourself are a gay person. It hurts you that he said that to you. And you see a twinge of something confusing on his face. Like he didn't quite know what he said. And he says, fuck you. And then he runs away to his room. You sit down for a few minutes and you collect yourself. You know you have to have a conversation with him and you'd love to not bring your parents into it. So you go upstairs and you knock on his door. Hey buddy, we need to talk, you say. And after a few minutes of silence, he says, what do you want? You open the door, and you step inside. You sit down on the bed, close to where he's sitting at his desk, Fortnite playing in the background. And you say, turn that shit off, we have to talk. Something in your voice causes him to come to the door and open it. He looks at you. What do you want? Well, as I said, I want to talk. You know, you can't just run around using that word. It's offensive. Well, yeah. I was angry. There are better words to use when you're angry other than that. The F-slur is pretty specific. I'm gay. Why would you say that word to me? I've had that word said to me by people who I know hate gay people, but I wouldn't expect that from you. You see something in his eyes after you stop talking, as though he's genuinely confused. Hey, did you know what that word meant, you ask? Your brother's cheeks flush. Yeah, of course I did, he says quietly. I don't think you did, you say. He shakes his head. The F-slur is a word that's been used to marginalize my community. It's something that you say when you mean harm to gay people. And I know that you don't mean harm to gay people. You accept me. So, you shouldn't say that word even when you're angry. There are other words that are better to use than that. And yeah, I know that you were mad, but that doesn't excuse you using that word against me. It's not okay. Don't say that word again. He looks at you, and he nods. Language changes a lot, and the first time we encounter words, we don't always know what they mean. And it's difficult, as somebody who knows more, to accept that when people say horrible things to us, that sometimes it's from a genuine lack of understanding of what those things mean. And, maybe I shouldn't have to say this, but if we want to be understood by the larger community, we can't always approach these moments of misunderstanding from a place of anger. Sometimes it's more productive to approach them from a more charitable place.
0: Hey, Genre. Hey, Nicole. How you doing? Oh, you know, there's there's lots going on. A lot of, lot of stuff. Like impeachment,
1: which we're not going to talk about. Yet. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> this week, we're going to talk about something that is near and dear to my heart as a words girl. We're going to talk about language. Specifically how we utilize language on the left in opposition to the way that the right uses language and how oftentimes the left will concede a lot of ground to the right when they co opt terms and twist their meaning that's right and also we might as well include liberals in this because my first example speaks more to them i think
0: let's get our linguistics nerd on let's do it yep i'm pretty i'm honestly kind of hype about it
1: all right so (laughs) we're gonna do a larger um podcast on this but there are a few terms that exist in the leftist lexicon that are widely misunderstood by people words like class consciousness or identity politics things of this nature you sure heard those words but there are so many people running around with so many definitions of those words that they almost don't mean anything anymore. Right. However, the original definition of these words meant something very specific and very useful in communicating political ideas. And oftentimes, on the left, we'll use this language until such a time that the right starts to pick up on it and co-opt it and start twisting what it means identity politics is a term that has fallen prey to this cancel cancel culture those two things are another thing that have fallen into this and watching this happen repetitively over the years has kind of led me to this conclusion the left treats the language of rhetoric as slang. Yes. When the larger community starts using it, it's no longer cool, so they abandon the term.
0: I think part of that is that the stereotype or this notion that the left is more um, sophisticated and erudite and and whatever, and, use, and, and they use words like erudite. If people start using slang, then they kind of shy away from that. As a, like in a way to like officially communicate with each other. I don't know if you think that's on point or not.
1: I think that there is a lot of anxiety on the left about appearing elitist because, of course, like just speaking statistically, Mm -hmm. your likelihood of being leftist or just on the left generally has a lot to do with your level of education. When you become more educated, you have a tendency. To skew liberal or further liberal, if you're not educated, the messaging of the right tends to be kind of appealing. This is these are general statements, and there are numbers to support this. We'll put it in the notes.
0: Educated meaning uh, having more schooling, like going to college, formal education. uh, Yeah, Yeah. formal education. This has nothing to do with intellect, right? I just and I think think that's really important. Yeah, intellect does not equal more education
1: no <laughs> as somebody who's <laughs> highly educated there are a lot of idiots with the same degree as
0: I so am. many idiots holy
1: fuck um but that's <laughs> not what we're talking about today yeah. we're talking about language Let, i want to talk about an example of this because i think that it's kind of important um i want to talk about identity politics the term not the politics themselves so right identity politics is essentially the idea that you should be listening to the unique perspective of people who have experienced the types of oppression that you're going to try and tackle in political spaces so like if you're black then you're going to have a different and probably more informed opinion on racism or at least informed on your own personal experience than like a white person who lives in vermont It's important to listen to the black person when you're talking about uh, racism because this person has a unique tie to the situation that perhaps if somebody of the um, privileged class would not have. If you listen to a lot of right wingers and like consequently a lot of people who don't understand what are misinformed about what identity politics mean, you'll believe that it's. If I'm black and you're white, I get to talk about racism and you can never bring up a good point about racism or the politics of racism in America or abroad because you're white. That's not true.
0: (laughs) There's also uh, a lot of people that say identity politics is always, always voting for the person that looks like you and always Voting for a minority and that has nothing to do with anything it it has, has nothing, nothing to do with to to anything do. <laughs> that is not what identity politics is yeah that is that has nothing Christ
1: <laughs> voting for somebody of your same race or whatever the fuck that's not the original meaning of identity politics, although it is a meaning of identity politics, um mainly the liberal one <laughs> um there are a lot of liberals that exist. Who also contribute to the confusion of the word identity politics because they believe that identity politics mean, you know, in order to fix society, we need more black CEOs. We need girl bosses. (laughs) We need black cops, white cops, Asian cops. And if we do this, that everything will sort itself out. This is an idiotic idea that's not how people work it's really not but that's what people think that identity politics means of course as my original definition excluded all of those it's really not um identity politics is something completely reasonable that's important and helps people understand why they should talk to people from different perspectives especially people from marginalized communities what it doesn't mean is that people of marginalized communities never need to listen to anybody else. Yes. The thing that I always like to say is, if Jesse Lee Peterson, black man who tap dances for the right wingers all the time and calls Donald Trump the new white hope, uh, were to talk <laughs> to a white person about black people and black people's issues, that man is a conservative. He's full on fash. um Those are not synonymous. Um, yes. But he's a little in this country right now at this specific moment. But we're talking about language, so let me be precise. <laughs> he's fully fucking white supremacist. So if Jesse lee Peterson, a black white supremacist, were talking to a white man who is not a white supremacist, at least overtly in his politics. I would not say that that white man should never talk to him or correct him on issues of race cuz um Jesse Lee Peterson would say things like 13% of the nicks commit 50% of the crimes. And that's yeah. And that's <laughs> just like not something that you should let pass in any capacity. Mm. Of course now because the idea of identity politics has been so thoroughly colored by these other definitions it feels like some lefties feel super apprehensive about using the term in their everyday lives or advocating for identity politics because they believe that a it's divisive because we can't talk to each other and like class is the most important thing and we shouldn't care about like other things which is dumb but yeah. also because there are all, there's all this shit muddying the water. What this means is that people have a weird definition of identity politics, and now when we talk about what identity politics should mean, we don't have a word to clearly communicate the concept that we're talking about. We just kind of have to explain <laughs> intersectionality <laughs> every time we want to talk about intersectionality in the political space. And that's quite frustrating
0: to me. Words should be literally their shorthands for inter- information and, and concepts. I should be able to say a word, and then you should be able to know what the broader sense of what I'm talking about means. And if that definition is muddied, like you're saying, then, then the word becomes useless, Yeah, and it screws up the conversation entirely
1: so what ends up happening i think or what i've observed is that once the waters start to muddy once the right-wingers start using terms incorrectly or liberals decide that something just means something completely different than what it actually means a lot of people on the left will just kind of concede that word to them they'll say whatever i'll come up with a different word yeah (laughs) or like they'll use different terminology that kind of circumvents that word specifically for fear of invoking this dumb fuck alternative universe where that word means this other thing that was not very clear but whatever (laughs) (laughs) the problem is that when we do this it means that everything that follows that we say now has a different word attached to it so now when we talk about identity politics we're like There needs to be intersectionality or we don't talk about identity politics at all because we don't know how to talk about it, which means that we can't educate on why it's important to listen to people of other backgrounds. And it's impossible to reference this framework where we need to listen to people for the reason that they might have a unique perception of this issue because of their proximity to it. Right. It's not the Bible. It's just a concept and we can't really talk about it anymore. And that's a damn shame because now we literally can't talk about the subject at
0: all on the left. Yeah, it's it's really I mean, the just the fact that the 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 actual word and not even the definition of the word, but just the word or the phrase is now a tool to shut down conversation when it was Supposed to be describing and opening up of conversation is incredibly ironic and saddening.
1: Yeah. We don't insist upon the meaning of words. When the going gets tough, sometimes lefties just get out. Yeah. We don't fight over, like, you know, no, that's not what that means. It means this, and this is why we use this term. And we don't teach, continue to teach those terms. We decide to evolve terminology for some reason. Yeah and it's kind of weird to me. So for instance, in talking about identity politics, the first term that I learned was identity politics. Then I learned not to say identity politics and just to talk about intersectionality sort of, but also to privilege class above all else. Then I remembered that identity politics was a useful term. And now if I use identity politics, there are so many definitions of this term that I'm either misunderstood or I am understood and, like, everything's fine. Yeah. Um. But the problem is that in our pursuit to, like, keep on using different language, sometimes we end up using language that's completely and totally incomprehensible. And that's an issue.
0: Like what, for example?
1: Oh, God. So... I know that we're not supposed to say cancel culture because it's not a thing, but, like, the term cancel or, Mm. like, moral outrage, these terms were helpful for describing the phenomena where, like, you would say, like, we shouldn't support this person, deplatform this person. Yeah. Now that cancel culture is something that people are railing against because um some right-wingers decided that cancel culture wasn't the phenomena where you look at a person who did something wrong 10 years ago and say like fuck you or like yeet him out of your social space (laughs) that that we decided that like we would concede this term completely to the to the right's definition of it thus making us look unreasonable and making us search for different terms so when we made our episode on cancel culture for instance I used the word outrage culture explicitly to avoid using the term cancel culture.
0: <laughs> wow. I, I honestly did not know that. I did. Uh, and by the way, that was episode two of I Shouldn't Have to Say This. Yeah. Which you can find on saveiscast.pinecast.co. It's a decent one. <laughs> it's a good one. It's a good one. I enjoyed it.
1: Yeah. So I used language to circumvent that so we wouldn't get unironically canceled or considered. Like, you know. Problematic for our usage of that word. Yeah, but here's the problem: If we don't have unified language, if we can't all refer to cancel culture, then we start using a bunch of words that all mean cancel culture, but there are so many different niche terms for different communities that now when we try to get together and talk things out, we don't know how to talk to each other. We also can't initiate people into our politics because we're caught up on trying to figure out how to reference things. Somebody goes to look for leftist materials online. One person's talking about cancel culture and restorative justice. Another person's talking about restorative justice in a completely different way, and cancel culture. And then they see this right-winger talking about cancel culture in this completely different way. And the majority of the lefties that they see are saying that cancel culture doesn't exist at all. And they keep on seeing people saying outrage culture sprinkled within. And they have no idea what it is. It's completely un- incomprehensible. And you turn a lot
0: of people off with this. We overthink ourselves. Yeah. We, like the, the, when the right takes on language or concepts or a way of describing something, they are rock solid in that. And if there's any pushback on it, then they, then they just form a wall
1: they double it and triple down on it. Yeah,
0: like, they, they just like this is what it means and then if you say that's not that's not what words mean and then they're like now it is and yeah. on the other side, like liberals um and some leftists even, they they have these terms that mean things that can that are useful tools. And then when the right starts making fun of those tools, then they just say, Well, I guess I guess we can't use that word anymore. We need to figure this out. Stop trying to figure things out. You yeah. already figured it out. You had a word. Use the word.
1: yeah, or rather, like we allow the the right to use language and be understood immediately by the people who are listening to them way too much. We yeah. never muddied the water for their terminology. That's right and like that's for a reason their terminology is fucking weird but we also need to not <laughs> let them use ours like i can't figure out a way that we could we can't misconstrue like 1350 or like blood blood and soil in ways that aren't more horrific than they already are yeah <laughs> so they have that going for them
0: and just just uh as an aside um if you ever hear someone say Like make reference to the number eighty-eight or fourteen, then they're white supremacists. You you need to get away from them.
1: Yeah, they got a (laughs) lot.
0: Yeah, there's. Yeah, Yeah.
1: the uh, Nazi dog whistles are pretty ingrained at this point. It's difficult to point them out if you aren't very on. Yeah. Um, the thirteen fifty thing. 13 um, percent of the uh black people thir- black people uh consist of 30 percent of the uh population commit 50 percent of the crimes it's a dubious yeah. stat at best but that's what they're referencing
0: 88 is the eighth letter of eighth letter of the alphabet is h yep. so h h heil hitler yep uh 14 is uh referencing a a white supremacist um phrase that i won't go into yeah um partially because I can't remember all the words and partially because I don't want to remember all the words so um I just wanted to to point that out for you for your safety
1: yeah <laughs> for, for, you, for,
0: our, for our listeners' safety
1: yeah it's also like pretty important to know the dog whistle, so that's a that's a public service that we can do um <laughs> but aside from that we give left we get we give the right a lot of power in this regard and i want to talk about why i think we do this and i think that the left does this this giving this giving away terms and moving on to new language to the point of where like we're incomprehensible to like your average person i am a very motivated lefty And I get really irritated with the speed at which terminology becomes old and problematic in our community. It's really difficult to keep up with. In an environment where you can get like, harangued and chastised to the point of like pain over like misusing a term, um, it's really tiresome. Especially if you're like new to the community. Like I know what's up. If I post something, I'm gonna make sure that I saw somebody else using it first. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: i don't know (laughs) um just to protect yourself
1: like i know how to protect myself from getting canceled (laughs) but i i want to talk about why we do this and i think that the left treats the language of our politics a lot like we treat slang so let's focus on slang is cool when a small group of people is using something and it's funny and it's an inside joke as soon as the larger community starts using the term it becomes less and less cool and people move on from it um examples that you may remember lit Lit (laughs) litty on fleek (laughs) what are some other things the white people have ruined
0: uh, I. You get the idea. There's so many.
1: There, the speed at which black people have to change our little things is lightning fast because white people will come in there and start using it, and it will no longer be cool. And this is the way that slang works, and it always has been, and it's fine. Homie. Homie. Fuck. Homeboy. Oh boy. That's what. Bloomer. I <sighs> yeah you're right you're right um listen
0: yes man no, <laughs>
1: when you start using slang it becomes less cool you're at that age now <laughs> anyways um
0: just because it's <laughs> true
1: i'm sorry i'll apologize to you later off air anyways um written apology mm. mm-hmm. i'm not toxic um but we treat political language and our rhetoric a little bit as though it's slang. Like, we'll say, trans women are women, until the right starts making fun of it. And then we'll still kind of say it, but the cries will become slightly less so because they started making fun of it or they've started to unironically use it for their own purposes. Right. If the right, if after like the 50th Netflix. Special, where an old fart who can't keep up with the times tells unfunny jokes about how outraged the kiddos are. Um, mm. We get rid of cancel culture because it's been used up and it's no longer cool or makes us feel special to use the term because it's been dirtied or it's sullied. Yeah. And this is a completely unhealthy way to engage with political messaging. Because political messaging must be parsable, m- must be able to be parsed by the average person.
0: That's right. You need to be able to put it into a soundbite. You need to be able to put it into a 30 second or 15 second spot.
1: If you so... can't explain it to your mom without sounding insane in 30 minute, in th- not 30 minutes, 30 seconds, it's not a good term for political right. reasons. And if you don't have a mom, try it with your dad. If you don't have a dad, try it with your guardian. The point stands. Yes. It has to be easy easily digestible and straight to the point.
0: The the tr- the the line from slang which we were talking about and it's and slang being used within a community, th- slang terms do become Proper terms, and the left really fights against that, yeah, at times, yeah. which really confuses me we like start- that that's how language works. it moves from a community based word, then when that spreads out from the community, then that becomes a word that people use
1: i think that's in- that's an interesting thought I'm not sure if i agree totally i think that lefties want a lot of terms to be made into like common usage like we got really lit when um (laughs) they them as a non-binary pronoun was um added to the dictionary happily that's great but also i do get what you mean what i'm saying is that like a lot of lefties like feeling special i feel like or like Mm. their politics make them better And so they, which it does. You're you're better than centrists if you're a lefty. That's just
0: it makes them feel better, and it does.
1: It does make you better, but like. (laughs) Good night, everybody. Good night. That's the end of my TED talk. We're ending the podcast. Um. But also, no. It's important to grow the left, and so you need to be understood by the largest amount of people. And as soon as somebody starts understanding the left and the language of the left if you pull the rug out from under them by changing the language entirely it's really hard to stick on as a leftist and as somebody who like went to college and was with like the super like woke activist spaces the speed at which i had to educate myself with what was going on in order to still be accepted was like lightning speed and it's a good thing that i'm a smart girl um, uh, or else I'd be fucked.
0: Yeah, it's... A lot of people have that problem. They... they, And they they try to learn the terms, and they're like, okay, I learned the terms. And someone's like, that was, like, last week.
1: Or, I said it ironically, you fucking moron.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, you racist. What? 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 And then they, they say, well, they hate me, so I'm not gonna hang with them. So we talked about how language can be... Uh, misconstrued or misunderstood or or actually taken to be used against an actual topic. So now we thought we'd talk about what we can do to combat that or what we can do to keep that from happening in the first place.
1: Yep, yep, yep.
0: One thing that uh, I was I was thinking about during that was people that are trying their best to learn about what is happening, or how to communicate, or how, um, how to speak to a group of people on the left about these things, trying to learn how to do that, because for, for a lot of people, like, they want to understand things, they want to know what their friends are talking about, or they want to know, well, some people are, let's say, centrist, and they're like, okay, I know what the right's talking about, what's the left talking about? And they get turned off when phrases and words like, s- keep switching around, and then they get more turned off if someone says, well, you're not using the right words, so get out.
1: Yeah. I think this speaks to an anxiety that a lot of leftists have. A lot of liberals, I guess, but like this is mostly a leftist thing. Yeah, a lot of leftists, and I'm guilty of this too. I do this all the time. um Go online. This is mostly an online thing, but even in real life, and walk around with a like gigantic chip on your shoulder. You've seen the right wingers do do and say wild things to people on the internet all over the place. You've seen argument after argument, and it's disingenuous, and you know how to spot a disingenuous argument when you see it and it's really aggravating for example i was on youtube once and like there is this whole video thing or whatever about polyamory and i was talking about it and um this guy rolls in out of left field and is like if you engage in polyamory you're a fucking cheater you should divorce And all this different stuff for, like, your marriage is on the way out. It's stupid. Um, But I had to argue with that fucker, and I argued hard, because I hate that shit. But a few days later, this other guy comments, and he asked me something really similar to the first guy. And, like, my red alert went off, and, like, I went in. I immediately oh, no. I immediately assumed this guy was a reactionary as well. Oh no. <laughs> oh no Midway through this exchange, it kind of occurred to me that this guy was just somebody who was asking a stupid question. And yeah. because we're on you we're in the YouTube comments section.
0: You're oh, in well, the YouTube comics? Oh god. Yeah, so
1: my um my oh, e-jerk when I'm in the youtube comment section i don't behave as though people are acting in good faith because 90 percent of the time they ain't but i just knew that this guy was um trying to fuck with me so i decided to jump down his throat and it quickly occurred to me that this guy wasn't a shitbag he was asking a dumb question yeah um
0: and that or even just like he didn't understand what he was asking
1: yeah he he no he asked like earnestly if it was just like cheating and if you engage in polyamory like if your relationship is bad or it was how could you enter a relationship and be polyamorous and i was like with ease (laughs) (laughs) but anyways the point is i jumped down his throat and like His next comment was something like, Jesus, I just asked a question. And like it seemed very genuine because he didn't do like the same things that like you see from reactionaries. And so right afterwards I had to eat crow and say, Hey man, I deal with a lot of comments, a lot of comments on this thread in particular that use the exact same format as yours. Disingenuously. And so I assume that you're the same as these other people. But I'm willing to talk to you in the DMs about this. And I talked to him in the DMs about it. Um, That's excellent. Yeah. But we all walk around with this chip on our shoulders because we assume that people are like reactionaries because there are enough of them on the internet that you can get away with it most of the time. It's probably safer that way.
0: I mean, that's, that's a safety thing, you know, like you're, you're trying to be a good person, you're trying to talk about things that are important on the internet, and then people just flood your comments, or they flood into wherever you are, and they just make all these disingenuous and, frankly, horrifying comments. So you just inoculate yourself against it, and anything that even hints at that. You, you go put up a wall. Yeah, you put up a wall and then you start flinging poo over, over at them.
1: Yeah, you just assume <laughs> that, it's, that they're engaging in bad faith without even That's like, right. really thinking much about it. And you don't know anything about this person most of the time, so you don't know if they are or not. We all have this chip on our shoulder on the left, it feels like. And we're right to do it. But it's also really bad for reaching out and trying to grow the left. Because it means that if you're a dumbass and you don't know anything about leftism and you're genuinely trying to ask a question, it means on the internet, a lot of people will either respond with I'm not going to do this emotional labor for you because I'm Mm -hmm. tired or I think that you're a disingenuous asshole and here and here I'm going to harass the shit out of you. Yeah. And this is bad. In order to solve our problems about teaching people how to operate in leftist spaces, we need to be 10 times more charitable with people. That's right. So, for instance, if I had, for my first response to this person said, hey, dude. You can enter a polyamorous relationship from the first step of a relationship if you enter the polyamorous, if you enter the relationship and you tell your partner, hey, yo, I'm poly and I would like to pursue other types of relationships with other people. That cool with you? And they say, yeah, I'm gonna do the same or not. I don't know. Do you? (laughs) And then the guy would have said like, oh, cool. (laughs) and He would have fucked off.
0: (laughs) <laughs> basically i mean that that's that's a lot of concepts because there are a lot of concepts like that that people just don't know about you're like yeah it's it's like this and they're like oh yeah and that then that, that's it and yeah. then you might and then they might ask you more questions and then you can bring them into the fold like explain more about stuff yeah it's that first interaction that can that can make or break someone from From being a centrist to being on the left.
1: Yeah. Also, when a child says poo poo pee pee for the first time in front of you, you don't assume that they know that it's like the worst thing ever and that they shouldn't say poo poo pee pee. You tell them, hey, that's a bad word. You shouldn't say that, probably. It's kind of vulgar and you might offend people if you do that. You tell them about it and why they should or shouldn't use it and then. You send them on their way. But unironically, poo-poo pee-pee is good praxis, so.
0: <laughs> it's it's silly and fun.
1: Boss makes a dollar, <laughs> I make a dime. That's why I poo-poo and pee-pee on the company's time.
0: Words to live by.
1: Yep, indeed. <laughs> good praxis.
0: <laughs> Speaking of language, you're really on the praxis thing today. I... I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's a fun word. It is.
1: Um, it's also one of those words that you'll get mis- made fun of endlessly if you use it anywhere in earshot of reactionaries, but like it's a good word. Hmm. But also yeah, getting back to the point, um, <laughs> this issue of charitability is pretty serious on the left, especially it online. Is. Because you can never know if somebody's acting in good faith or not. And I'm pretty sure that most of us have had the shit kicked out of us a few times. And that's why we approach people in the way that we do. However, it's also hurting us a lot. (laughs) And we probably... And like all of the leftists that I know currently had phases where like they said horrific shit. I did too. I was a liberal for a long time. I went to college and... It took me a few months to discard my capitalist upbringing.
0: I was a centrist.
1: Yep. So, like, we all have our bad arcs. (laughs) Yep. But, like, (laughs) we learn and we we have to learn shit. And we need people to be charitable while we're still learning. For instance, I used to be transphobic. Really transphobic. I didn't... And, like... My arc was, I didn't know that trans people existed, then I knew that they existed, and I didn't get it. And then a week later, I was like, oh, it doesn't matter if I get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's continued to get better since then, I should just say. But, like, you know, this was a bad arc. And if I had talked to the wrong person during this time, I would have been cast out of my social spaces on my campus. Because I would have said something stupid or asked a stupid question about trans people. When it wasn't my place or position to do so.
0: Yeah, I know if I if I didn't have a trans friend in high school, then I probably would have said something really stupid for a very long time until a charitable person said, Hey guy, don't don't do that. Yeah. How about we talk about something like this? I'd be like, Oh, oh no.
1: Yeah. But <laughs> extending an olive branch to people who are reaching out to you is infinitely more likely to succeed than sticking a hot barb into the their side every time they mess up and like i know that it's instinctually appealing to do because i too have spent a lot of years listen i was one of three black kids in a class full of white people and i went to the same school for 14 years then I went to a predominantly white college, and the entire time I lived in a white neighborhood. And I still live in a white neighborhood. I get tired of explaining the same shit to dumbass white people all the time. But you know, it's important. If I want That's to right. engage, if I want to get my political ideas out there, I'm gonna have to break some eggs. And also, like, run my blood pressure up. It's just part of the territory.
0: Yeah, I uh, I always think I would say that because of different, different like health reasons and stuff with me, I can't march. Um, it's hard for me to like phone bank. There's a lot of stuff that I I can't do. But what I can do is when I I find people online that might be, um, reaching out or they might be using terms incorrectly or something, then. I try to be charitable and talk to them because someone needs to, especially in an online space. And that is how I feel I can contribute. Yeah. Not everybody. And this is important. Not everybody has to do this. Not everybody. We, it shouldn't be required that every time you get into a conversation, you, you spend hours talking to someone I mean this happened the other night someone was asking me on a voice chat I was just about to go to bed and then someone brings up well what what what's what's this about reparations and I'm like all right okay so I'm not sleeping and just stay I I stayed up and talked to them for like three hours I don't know how, how how it turned out for them but this is something that some some people... It would be good for some people to do. And not just jump down someone's throat just because they they say something off.
1: Yeah. Uh, and also, when people say something off, you can usually hover over their profile if you're on Twitter and yeah. see if they're a reactionary or just a dumb fuck. It's like That's right. not usually that hard. Um, And even so... Rather than telling them to fuck off, just because of the utility of, like, not telling them to fuck off, maybe don't. If you can manage it. I'm not saying that you have to be perfect all the time. We all contribute in different ways to the advancement of our goals. But when you yell at people without even hearing them out, when you immediately make these snap judgments because it feels good, I understand it. I do it a lot. But it is (laughs) bad for the left.
0: <laughs> if you want to bring people into the the enclave if you want to bring people to the light then you can't you can't see punches coming from them from that light <laughs> you can't do it in closing for me
1: if you want to improve this problem of The right owning certain words or taking certain words, uh, co-opting them. What you need to do is you need to get in front of it. If the right says something like cancel culture is this and cancel culture isn't that, rather than saying that cancel culture doesn't exist, say, no, that is not what cancel culture means. Cancel culture is this phenomena. It is specific. That is not what you're talking about. And this is why. Um, you stupid piss babies or um, <laughs> if somebody says id poll is dumb no matter where they're aligned correct them or if they say something is IDPole and they like it and it's dumb or harmful never fucking say anything about a subject if you're not from that specific marginalized community tell them hey buddy that's not what identity politics means you can come up with a term for that It's a stupid concept anyways, but it's not identity politics and don't sully the name of that concept with that definition.
0: There are white people that are very versed in the language of race and and racism and the history of such.
1: And there are a lot of black people who are fucking stupid. I know a lot of cis people, cis gay people, who know a lot more about trans rights and care a lot more about trans people in general than like a person like blair white
0: <laughs> who who is chan- who is trans
1: who is trans yes blair white is trans <sighs> but the point is you have to allow people you have to like take those words be really aggressive about it and also you can avoid language changing and on the left language changes fast We're trying to fit a lot of needs, and we're trying to keep ourselves educated. We're trying to constantly push our ideological framework forward. So that means that it is a challenge to keep up with our language. And I shouldn't have to say this, but when people fuck up, treat them a little bit better than you think that you should, just for the sake of trying to help us grow, or to achieve our interests rather.
0: So, now we get to talk about something good, something fun, something happy. What is good in your life, Nicole?
1: What's good in my life this week is, um, A, my Nintendo broke, but Nintendo, er, my Nintendo broke. I sound like a 50-year-old. My Switch <laughs> broke. Um,
0: my Switch broke. My Xbox broke. Nintendo broke.
1: <laughs> my Xbox Nintendo broke, but Nintendo is going to fix it for free,
0: which is yes. really
1: dope, but also cat black's presence on twitter makes me laugh a lot she's super funny she is a um black trans youtuber she would resent me for saying that but she's a really great person to listen to a liberal admittedly but um <laughs> very intelligent and measured in her um responses to things and um she loves to start shit with the dumb fuck reactionaries on twitter So today, she uh, was getting into it with some of, like, the dregs of Gamergate. (laughs) Oh, no. (sighs) And um, at one point, they were, like, getting so fucking upset that she said, "Um, So why do gamers uh, comprise 13% of the population but commit most of the crimes? and like so she like 1350 the gamers and then this rando said gamers rise up and i cried for like half an hour about it at my girlfriend's house it was very funny to me <laughs>
0: we'll put a, her uh her twitter and uh, is she does she do youtube too she does youtube we'll put those in the in the description get into so it you, she's so awesome can follow oh man <laughs> 1350 the gamers now i'm happy about that (laughs) right it's perfect that's so gamers rise up (laughs) (laughs) and we'll 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 be doing a a show on gamergate um at some point in the future yes indeed trust us so my thing is well obviously the podcast that you're listening to right now is the perf it's a perfect podcast It's joyous and wonderful, and if you could only listen to one podcast, this would be the one. However, there is another podcast that just just started called The Worst Year Ever. Uh, It's hosted by Robert Evans, who has his own podcast called um, Behind the Bastards, which is uh, great if you want to learn about... um, different uh like hate-based communities basically Holy shit <laughs> uh he he's the he did a great article um he did a deep deep dive into the culture and the history of 8chan uh and how that how that relates to god bless uh, white him. supremacy um he he goes to uh i think he went to like proud boy rallies things like that he's really great writer and it's also hosted by Cody Johnston and Katie Stoll, who does uh who do some more news on YouTube and even more news on, on their own podcast. It just started and it's going to be covering how this is going to be the worst year ever. Uh, because of the horrifying presidential race that's going to start really getting into gear next year. They just had their first two episodes, and they do this really uh Um, intensive look at different news organizations and podcasts where people go because they think that these are good sources of news, which some of them aren't really. And I thought it was incredibly interesting. So uh, it's called The Worst Year Ever. It's on iHeartRadio and other podcast places. So I highly suggest everybody listen to this. You will enjoy that one. So that is it for this week. Our new episodes come out every second and fourth Tuesday of the month. You can follow us on Twitter. That's at say this cast. You can email us, saythiscast at gmail.com. You can go to say this And that is our website for past episodes. Uh, you can find links to subscribe online if you're listening to this on uh on twitter or just through whatever um <laughs> and where can we find you online nicole you can find me at blackgirlgaming.com
1: or on twitter at jack of three Traits. that is three as in the
0: number you can find me on twitter at pressstartlock, lock and you can uh follow me on twitch that's press start uh and you go to start to for my music podcast uh, all of the music on this show is by Mustin. You can go to store.mustinenterprises.com and find out more from him. I shouldn't have to say this: is a collaboration between BlackGirlGaming.com and PlanetSide Podcasts, PlanetSidePodcasts.com. use vermont on purpose just wondering
1: uh, i i that's that <laughs> vermont is one of the states that i think of as being white i mean it is it's real fucking white. there's I like mean, I'm three not black wrong. guys there and they all live in the same town they're actually yeah. brothers <laughs> <laughs> oh i know all of them all black people know each other <laughs>